Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. things we say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. And we do these whenever we feel like it. Apparently now that is true, yes. And we post them when we feel like it. That's right. That's right. We did record one last week. and Two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. (laughs) Due to several issues, chief among them being me, it has not been posted yet. So here we are. We don't pay our help enough. No, we don't. (laughs) We don't. No. I I think it's good though. It it always feels good to me to have at least one kind of like yeah. In the tube, so to speak, yeah. ready to go. Um, but yeah, sorry for our silence. It's it's mostly my fault. Yeah. Mostly. We were talking about things that baffle us right before we got on. <laughs> for the longest time, the thing that baffled me the most was hot dog buns. Okay. Oh, yeah. How do they bake them? And then the slice is in the middle. Yeah. Like you pull the buns apart, but the slice is always... Right. right. Yeah. It's always right. That's it, true. You don't get a unsliced hot dog bun. No. Unless you get the one that didn't quite go through and then you like mangle it when you try to open it up. And the top ones and the bottom ones and they're, they're, they're all baked together and I can never figure it out. And okay. There's got to be a how it's made on that. We're going to, after we're off the air, went, we're going to watch that. I went pretty far on, on the YouTubes. Nothing. And I couldn't find it specifically. And so I put my kids on this. This is probably a year and a half, two years ago. I said, you guys are going to go to school until you are smart enough to figure out how <laughs> hot dog buns work. Give me hot dog buns. And, and I think uh, we ran across it. There is, like, after they're done baking or at a certain point in the baking, there's knives that come in from the side and, like, oh. whoosh, and cut them. Okay. Uh, sorry to destroy the well, mysticism like bagels, surrounding that. But bagels, they, they don't do a good job. I've never had They're a, mostly cut. I've never had a bagel pull apart well. Yeah. Ever. You got to use a knife. Yeah, you got to you got to finish the job. Which I'm sorry, like slice my bagel for crying out loud. But the wireless charging on my iPhone is the one that's killing me. Yeah. It defies everything I know about electricity. So I have a rubberized case on it. Yeah. Like a Magpul case on my on my iPhone. But it, the wireless charging still works. You can set it in the thing and it goes bing and starts charging through the case. Yeah. Okay. The reason the handles on my pliers have an insulator grip on there. Right. If you're an electrician and you're working on stuff, they have an insulated grip. It's much the same plastic right. as, as this, as this yeah. to keep you from getting shocked. So if this is an insulator... And my phone is receiving the charge, and that's sending the charge, and it's sending it through. And I'm, I'm just, stuff is, stuff is amazing. Yeah, I, I don't understand it, and I don't pretend to understand it, and I think it might horrify me if I did understand it. I, it might, it might be worse. Maybe it works like 5G. They just send the signals right through our brains. <laughs> oh and man! Through our homes. If I hear about 5G one more time, <laughs> I swear. But here's my thing. Here's my thing, man. Like, everything can't be a conspiracy. Every new <laughs> thing cannot be a conspiracy. It just can't. And, and I'm sorry, everything is. Like, if you're one of those people, God love you. I'm sorry. But no, not everything is a conspiracy. And the reason I know that is because people in government are stupid. We keep electing stupid people, and they stay there for 40 years, and they never do anything other than what they're told to do by others. Like well, we they, switch out the people at the top. Yeah. You never get to switch out yeah. All the bureaucrats. in between. But, like, they're... they're uh. <laughs> they are literally... All they want to do is get paid and get paid in underhanded deals. That is what the majority of politicians do and want to do, Period. So that's your conspiracy. Uh, no. How else do you become rich doing that? It's like it's like pastors who become billionaires when they haven't actually done anything. Like, 
I'm okay with like, if you've written a ton of bestseller books, okay, fair enough. Like that's your thing. You know, that's a, that's a legitimate yeah. But if you're just like a faith healer pastor and you've made millions or billions of dollars, I'm like, no, it's like a <laughs> cop who makes millions of dollars being a cop. You're like, uh, something's not right there. Something is not right there at all. Did I, did I tell you, I was listening to Dave Ramsey talk about the, uh, they, they, they interviewed 10,000 millionaires for a book that they're doing. Yeah. They interviewed 10,000 millionaires, most of them with a net worth between like one and five million. Yeah. And the top three occupations that of these 10,000 millionaires he interviewed, the top three occupations, number one, engineer, number two, accountant, Number three, teacher. Teachers? Teacher. Really? Yes. Out of those 10,000 millionaires, the number three occupation was teacher. Huh. There you go. What Was it like, what level? I, I don't know. Most of these are not decamillionaires. You're talking about like one to five million yeah, network still, or whatever. Still, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. So there you go. But uh, yeah, read the book, I guess. He, uh, Chris Hogan's got a book or something. That yeah, that'd they be were, interesting. I was just listening to the radio show in passing, so I don't know anything about it. My did you know, though, is <laughs> did you know that Chrissy Teigen, the mayor of Twitter, and Meghan Markle, who's married to one of the princes. Or formerly a pr- I think actually she's the prince now. I uh, based on what I'm seeing. Yes, I think she's that's the kind of, prince. She's the prince. He lives in L.A. Yes, with her. Yeah, okay. she's the prince now. Yes. Yeah. So Prince Meghan Markle <laughs> and Chrissy Teigen were both on the same TV show 13 years ago. What show? Deal or No Deal. Really? They were one of the girls that opens the case. Oh my word! With Howie Mandel sitting down there. That's I remember amazing. Deal or No Deal because I was we were newly married. And we were getting, you know, just terrestrial television. Oh, yeah. Like, remember those days? Oh, yes. Where <laughs> we had an antenna. We were watching TV. And we would tune in and we would watch Deal or No Deal. It was one of one of our sh- reality shows. Or not, what is that? A game show. Game, game shows, show. yeah. It was one of the game shows that we watched. <laughs> we, we never watched much reality TV other <sighs> than The Apprentice. And I remember when I stopped watching The Apprentice. Okay. It was when they had Chuck Schumer on. Oh, yes. And Donald Trump treated him so nicely that I was just like, ah, this is a giant waste if we're just going to have politicians on and kiss up to them the entire time. Well, you know the man wanted something from him. That had to be it. He was doing business in his state. I'm sure he wanted to be friends. Oh, man. (laughs) And now those two can't say a nice word about each other, but I stopped watching their show because they said too many nice things to each other. How is it that the older Chuck Schumer gets, the more he looks like a cartoon villain from like the 80s? Have you noticed that? Like, they're just, I mean, the glasses down around the nose and like that. He just looks like a, he kind of looks trollish. When do we weird. get to pick new senators? <sighs> I feel like, like Feinstein's been in forever. Schumer's been in forever. Like, I don't know any better you know argument funny? for term limits this is, than just the average yeah. age of everyone in the Senate. I don't care about the average age. I care about the average term served, time right. served. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> you know, you got, you got people like Pelosi who have been there for 40 years Yep. And they want to point to presidents as if they're the problem for Why being in office for no more for than eight. Senate? Is it because she doesn't want to unseat Feinstein? I don't know. She's She makes a ton of money for the party doing exactly what she's doing. She's a useful cog doing what she needs to do, and she's making money off of it. So hmm. what's the deal? I don't know. Why, why, why screw up a good thing, I guess? Yeah. Oh, man. We've already talked about way more politics than I intended to here. Oh, no. I didn't want to talk about politics at all. Just uh, two people that are really, really famous that used to basically be hand models. That's funny. <laughs> or I don't know what kind of model you have to be to open a case. That is funny. <laughs> I would oh, have man. never I would have never guessed that when you're sitting there watching that show, like, <laughs> I've watched one of these girls is going to marry John Legend. Another one's going to you know, marry a prince. I think it's funny. I've seen more than a couple interviews with Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. And <laughs> don't get me wrong. I haven't ever I, watched them on an I, interview. I, I've only seen a couple. But the ones that I've seen, he seems genuinely embarrassed by how she is in interviews. He does not seem embarrassed by her. <laughs> but she seems to just kind of say and do whatever comes to her mind. And I've literally watched his face have that horrified, like, oh, man, I can't believe you're talking <laughs> about this right now. And not in a playful way. 
but like the please stop, please don't do this right now. And uh, I feel for John Legend a little bit with that. I do. But again, she seems like she's kind of tempering herself as well uh, yeah. in, in recent years yeah. as much as she does. You know, but whatever. People who speak their mind, I ain't got no problem with them. Yeah, to each your own. Yes. Said Twitter. the man as he kissed a pig. <laughs> I don't know the background on that phrase. I've heard it. I, there's, some, there's some historical movie that I saw where somebody, it was like World War I era. And somebody says that, and he says, to each his own, said the man as he kissed a pig. And I'm like, is that the whole original phrase? I don't know, but I've always liked throwing it in there now. What is, what is the one that's kind of like that? Lipstick on a pig? Yeah. That, that President Obama, that the media tried to get him in trouble for when he wasn't actually referring to Sarah Palin, but they tried to pretend like he was. Was that, they were trying to pin that on Obama? Yeah, he said, oh, yeah, yeah. he was saying, he was that's talking right. about a, po- he was it talking was about policy. Yeah, and he said you can you can put lipstick on a pig and it's still a pig, which is a common phrase. Like that is not. And this is the thing: I won't stand for this on either side of the aisle. It <laughs> annoys me to death when somebody tries to run with something that is not what it was intended. If if the context does not work, please leave it alone. Please leave it alone. Um, there are recent things that we can talk about that have their context, and they are exactly what they seem to be. That was not one of them. President Obama, or was it? Was he even a... No, he wouldn't have been. He was Senator Obama at the time. Right. Was not calling Sarah Palin a pig. He was not. That was not the context. <laughs> Joni Ernst, however, did talk about pigs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's like the only thing I'll remember her for. She's like that... I'll make them pay, lawyer. Except oh. I'll make them squeal. Oh. <laughs> like, did she even win? Oh, I don't. I don't know. Did she make anyone squeal? Oh, that's such a. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm ready to move on from politics All right. already. So why are we here? <laughs> uh, I don't remember. No, <laughs> no, we were going to talk about something. <laughs> no, we are. We're going to do a service for the public here. <laughs> yes, yes. No, no, we were going to. We wanted to talk a little bit tonight. Sheldon and I actually had a conversation last week. Um, we got together, and I just didn't feel like doing a podcast. I was just sapped. Uh, we we'd had a memorial that day for for one of our pastoral staff who had passed away, and it was just emotionally a draining day. And so I just text Sheldon. I'm like, dude, I don't really feel like recording tonight. But I was like, hey, still come over and we can hang out. And it was very good. Yeah. But we just kind of got to talking about what the podcast is and what it's become. Versus what our original in- intent was. What have we have we been doing this for th- three years now or four? Yeah, we would have started recording in January three years ago. Yeah, so you guys haven't had three years of content, but we have been doing this for that long. Yeah. Um, and so we just kind of started talking a little bit about that, and I I came to the realization that Sheldon and I approach what we do here very differently. Right. And again, this is one of the things I talk about often. That Sheldon and I, although we have very similar opinions and are similarly passionate, the way we have gotten to the places that we are are very different. And we as people are actually very, very different in the way that we process and the way that we do some different things. So we kind of wanted to talk about the realities of self-censorship as it relates to Sheldon and I and how we process that. Right. And and I was just telling Nate, I'm like, I don't know how much longer I do this show. Like... Or, or in what, what form this show needs to take. Because originally it was like, there's a couple of topics that we feel really passionate about, yeah. and let's do those. And our goal is to keep them under a half hour. And since then, we've scrapped that. Totally. And sometimes we roll in here with little to no agenda. Yeah. And sometimes we roll in here with like something we really want to talk about. And sometimes we interview people. And I think all of those things are good. Um, I, I was just coming to the realization that I... One of th- there, there's something going on with this podcast, and that is we say at the outset, and we we say it in the intro that we're we we're known for the things that we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are just the things we say. Right. And it's kind of like, just take this for what it is. This is just something we say off the top of our head. Don't hold us to it. And I think when Nelson was on one time, we even talked about like a statute of limitations on the things that we say. Which I like. Basically, it's like three months. I can't possibly (laughs) be held to something I said three months ago. Clearly, I'm a different person now. Right. (laughs) Right. Of course. We're not politicians here. Right. Like, 
that was me three months ago. How, right. are, how are you still on that? Right. But we're, we live in the tension between that and what we say this podcast is about and what, what we want it to be. And that is a place where we can just say what comes to our mind about any number of things. Right. And on the other side of that, we believe that we will stand and be held accountable for every idle word that comes out of our mouth. Right. Both as Christians and as pastors. Really? Yeah, and as people before a great white throne, yeah, like by myself, yeah, I'm going to be held account, right, and held to account for every idle word that comes out of my mouth, and I know this. So those two things are an attention, and I I feel that tension when I get here in the podcast because I'm comfortable in this room with Nate going back and forth and bandying about these ideas, but I forget that we put everybody in the middle. Yeah. And you guys are jumping in, in between what is just us airing things off the top of our heads. Mm -hmm. And I was questioning the wisdom of that. Yeah. (laughs) Just, Just because there's... Most of the people that listen to this podcast know us at least a little bit. Now, yeah. if you don't know us at all and you just found us, I'd love to hear from you how you found us totally, or whatever, what appeals to you about this podcast if you don't know <laughs> either one of us. Like, genuinely, I would yeah. like to know. But most of you know us, at least one of us. And so we're taking our family, friends, church acquaintances, whoever it is that listens here, and puts them in between us to thinking things out, out loud. Yeah. I'm an external processor. Do you process out loud? No. Um, okay. I, I am an internal processor. Again, even though I'm a big talker, I am an internal processor. And this is one of the big realizations that I came to that I, I've, I've always known that Sheldon was an external processor, but it didn't occur to me that what he's actually doing on this podcast is verbally working out what he thinks about a particular topic live while y'all are listening. And he asked me about that, and I told him, no, like, every topic we have ever talked about, I have already had a significant amount of thought that I have put into my opinion or my thoughts on that. Like, I've, I never really shoot from the hip. Um, and I think part of that, for me, is the realities of growing up in a pastor's home. Like, I've always known that what I do represents more than just myself. And there was a time when I had no filter, and those of you who knew me from, like, you know, 14 to probably 16 or actually probably 13 to 16 you guys remember and I'm sorry that you remember the me that had no filter and just said everything that I thought because I I thought that that's what honesty was and come to find out there is a measure of temperance that has to go along with honesty actually being real Um, and so there was a time when I did that but it was in my ignorance and I figured it out and I, I moved on and I matured beyond that Um, but for me even then it wasn't working things out it was that I had given things a lot of thought, and I was going to say the exact thing to you that I meant to say fully intentionally in that moment, and it was sometimes harmful. Um, I don't do that anymore. Um, I just don't. I've, I've learned. I've grown beyond that. But for me, I am, I am such an internal processor, and I'm, I'm, such, a, I'm such a research freak. Like, I, I read about the most random things, and I and that will go on rabbit trails, and I will become fixated with a particular topic or a particular hobby, and I may never even do them. I mean, like right now, I I love watching, uh, I'm watching like obsessed with watching restoration videos right now, where a guy will take something rusty and broken, and just over the span of a twenty to forty minute video, fix it and make it look look like it's new. I have no power tools other than a couple of drills. I will not be doing what he is doing, but it fascinates me to watch and see how it works and how people do these things. So I am a weird, obsessive personality yeah. that just, I research, I look, I think, I, I mean, I researched flashlights, little flashlights before I started, <laughs> before I picked an everyday carry flashlight. I, I just do weird things like that and become fixated. So I am very much an internal, like, let me work all the way through it by myself, and then I will say the things that I think and if people respond adversely to it, I will then go back in and say, okay, do I need to reassess some of these things or do I just have a disagreement with this person and it's okay? My, my process is totally different. I have come to most of my realizations as I'm saying them. Yeah. Like that's the thinking out loud part and why silence drives me completely batty. <laughs> like if 
it's completely quiet in the house. I'm not thinking anything. Like yeah. I cannot, I cannot go somewhere and just think. Like I can, like if it's to read, like if I'm reading something, yeah, or praying, like reading and prayer and that kind of thing. Yes, that I can do alone. But if it's just like I come home to an empty house and I have two hours, I don't know that I'm thinking any sort of deep thoughts. You could come in and say, "Hey, what are you thinking about right now?" Uh, nothing. Yeah. Um, but I, I talk, I talk these things out. And so I'm like, okay, if you just listen to this podcast, who would you think I am? Yeah. And it's, and I started to get really uncomfortable because I'm like, there's a number of things that we have talked about or we've discussed and I've just been off the cuff or ranting, going off on some high, high pitched rant about, (laughs) whatever it is I'm feeling or thinking. And that is usually overstating what I think in order to process what I really think internally. Like, this makes me want to rage. And by the time I get to the end, I'm going to figure out where I'm going. Totally. But I don't necessarily censor how that process works. Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes from where I've been in positions of leadership in that I've never... I've never been a manager at work, like where I've had people that report to me. Yeah. Okay. So at work, I say whatever I want to whoever I want, and that's just how it's always been. I just right. be me in that environment, and right. it's cool. Other than other than you as a person, it doesn't carry any additional weight. No. Your words it's don't like, become policy. Yeah. It's not like if I say, guys, we really shouldn't be doing this, that they will actually stop doing that, <laughs> right? They'll just be like, why do you care? <laughs> right? Yeah. So so it, there's some freedom in that. Totally. And I, I'm comfortable there, you know? And then lately, like, and all the way up until now in church, like, I've led various different things, and I've been a leader in different things, like youth youth group and things like that. But, yeah, teenagers should probably listen to me because I'm older and wiser and I'm here to chaperone and help you people right. not kill yourselves through this entire That's weekend. Right. So just listen, <laughs> you know? And so I understand in situations like that, yes, my words carry weight. I need to be careful what I say. And so I'll, I'll watch myself. I'll self-censor. Right. You know, but in this environment, I haven't been for the most part. Yeah. But then I'll, I'll go back after we have a podcast and I'm like, man, I feel really good. And a day or two later, I'll be like trying to replay all the things that I said. <laughs> I'm like, did that, do you think that would have come across? Does that come across? And, and I think I've been doing it like on this show, I live in that tension between I feel the responsibility that I could be held to account yeah. for this stuff by people over me, people that are listening to me people that are beside me that are going to hold me accountable. And that's how it should be. Like you should have people that hold you accountable. And also I want to say what I want to say. Right. It's my show. And I'm going to say what I want <laughs> and I'm going to process and you're going to deal. Yeah. So that, and, that's, and to be fair, I don't think it's actually been problematic up to this point because we haven't no. had any things where somebody's come and taken us aside and be like, Hey, I noticed you said this thing. And no. this is a problem or this is a thing we need to talk about or whatever. No, and I'm good with it. But, okay, for instance, like when we do get political, the, the one thing that I'm doing some management training stuff at work, and it's like if you're a manager, yeah, you really shouldn't bring your politics to work. Yeah. Like it's, it's just not a great idea because you've got to work with a whole team of people, right? Totally. So, I, if you have a diverse team, there's going to be men and women on that team. There's going to be older people and younger people. There's going to be Democrats and Republicans. And if you come out with a political opinion, that's especially in today's climate, that's pretty divisive. And somebody on your team might identify more with you and somebody might feel alienated just because you felt the need to voice yeah. your political opinion. Yeah. Or, you know, you have a, another, like, politics are one of those I guess religion in the workplace could be one of those. There's there's some of those things that it's just yeah. like you can't you can't always be just fly off with whatever comes to the top of your head. You just yeah. can't. That's yeah. people should know what they're gonna get from you and they should know that you're gonna be fair with them and all that. Right. It's like, okay, so I jump on this show and there are people listening that say go to our church, you yeah. know? 
and I'm in a position of leadership there. And, in, and you are definitely in a position yeah. of leadership there. And I'm like, do you want to keep risking this? Yeah. <laughs> that we say something here that has adverse effects over there. Is that a possibility? Is that something that you worry about? Yeah. And, and again, this is, and I told Sheldon, for me, this has been a great form of self-expression for me because we talk about things that I don't get to talk about often. You know, I, I think there are things that you talk about individually with people or you talk about in a setting like this that from a stage or a pulpit you're not going to talk about because it's just not necessary. It's not relevant. No. And so, you know, I never want to be one of those pastors that will just go off on a tirade because it's my recent obsession. And so you're going to get a series of messages about whatever that recent obsession is just because it's the thing I want to talk about. That never goes well for anybody. No. Um, and so... For me, I get to talk about things and give some people insight into who I am as a person that they probably wouldn't otherwise have or have the opportunity to. Because, again, we don't. You're right. We don't talk about politics or even even various opinions a lot in the church. You know, we're doing other things that are just not that don't have a whole lot to do with that, essentially, I guess. Um, but I've been thinking about that a lot, too, and the importance, I think, of having some kind of discourse even political and religious, because somehow those two things, while for the whole of American society, they were not, they were still polarizing, people disagreed, but they were not taboo subjects. You know, you talked about them in churches. You even heard preaching from your pulpit about particular ideologies and things well, that were or were not. Well, the churches were foundational for both the revolution and like yeah. the civil war. And somehow... The abolitionist movement. Right. And somehow, since the 70s or 80s... The temperance movement. Like yeah. Churches have been at the center of all these Absolutely. political things. But somehow, since the 70s or 80s, there's been this shift, probably more the 80s, where all of a sudden, we're not supposed to talk about politics or religion with each other anymore. Well, it makes for rough Thanksgivings, I think, is... But I think that makes for rough Thanksgivings because that's the only time we talk about these things. I mean, in any relationship, the longer you avoid a topic, when it eventually hits, because yep. it will, it becomes a problem because you're not talking about it. And honestly, I've, I've just been mystified at this whole idea of like, is somebody going to hear that I support a particular political ideology and everything they know about me as a person is suddenly going to go out the window just because I support this candidate or that candidate that they don't like? Yeah. And how insane is that? Like, how insane is that, that we would think that that's okay or normal in any way? Yeah. I've never lost a relationship with a person because of their political ideology. I have disagreed passionately with someone right. and know that I still love this person, and at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. Right. We can disagree and maybe come to the middle a little bit on something. Um, but that idea that that putting out a, 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 a you know a campaign's uh, you know yard sign is going to somehow alienate people is mystifying to me <laughs> because we've let it happen we've it, let it, it happen can. as yeah. as as the church as Christians and as Americans we have let it happen we have let institutions basically dictate to us that well we're not supposed to talk about these things right and I know this is a side a bit of a side. And aside nope, from what we're talking no, this about, this is this is one of the things that you said to me yeah. when we were talking about this. But I, for you, me, that's why I feel like the podcast is an important place for me to be able to actually vent some of these things. Yeah, to to kind of uh, just sit back and say some of the things that you want to say in a space that you can say it. Yeah, like it's just giving yourself permission. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's good about this too is because we're we're good checks and balances on each other. Right, like. 97 or 98 percent of what we have said on this podcast has gone out. We've only had a couple instances where we're like, ah, let's take that out because that's going to be misunderstood. Yeah, that didn't represent, you know, there was one particular thing where it's like, I didn't disagree, I didn't think I said anything wrong, but Sheldon came to me and was like, I just think you're going to be misunderstood on this. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, you're right, and that's not worth it. And it wasn't even a big deal, no, but but I think I think that's part of why I feel safety in this, yeah, is because. I know you're not going to let me do or say anything that's going to misrepresent who I am. Yeah. And you know that I'm not going to let you do or say anything that's going to let you misrepresent who you are. Yeah. And so there is this, this element of, I would be much more nervous about what you're talking about if this was live. 
if we were literally always doing this live and it was just going out on hitting the airwaves and what was out was out and we had no ability to to tweak or to talk through or to do anything like that, it was just going to happen. I don't think I could do this if that was going to be the case because we would get ourselves in trouble. We would say things that we don't actually mean. Yeah. Um, and not in a working it out sense, at least not for me. Um, so it is, I, it's I, a weird but, thing. But for me, I say plenty of things that I don't mean. Yeah. And I'm, I'm that kind of guy. Now, if, I'm, if I have something prepared, like I have a sermon or a message or I'm getting up there to totally. say something yeah. or I feel the weight of the moment, like say I'm in front of the company at work, like saying something, I feel the weight of that. And what I'm going to say is going to be good. Even if it's off the cuff, right. I'm going to be able to, to do it right. But here, this is like, okay, I'm interested in this topic. And yeah. that's why we call it a topical podcast. I'll text Nate throughout the week and just be like, hey, I'm interested in this or discussing this. And it's not because I have a politi uh, political, it's not because I have a particular viewpoint on right. it or I've even developed many thoughts on it. You're like... If I don't have thoughts on it, I'm not going to say them. Right. And or if or if I do like what we're talking about, I've already thought all the way through it. Right. Not me. I'm like I don't have a whole lot here, yeah. but I want to discuss this and talk it out. Right. So that's what makes me nervous. Yeah. Sometimes being on here. Yeah. That's all. So I'm curious, like like what what has changed for you in that? Because obviously, going into this, we knew exactly what this was, and right. didn't, and it. I wouldn't say it didn't occur to you, but it would like. You didn't care. Like, this is what we were going to do, well, and it was great. I went through a lot of life changes in the last three years. Yeah. Like, actually getting licensed in the church was yes. one of those, and realizing there's a lot of responsibility there. And I was just starting out in my company like three years ago, and now I've moved to a place where I'm like, I would like to do more there. I'd like to be in a position of leadership. And it's kind of that transition to positions of leadership or responsibility. Yeah. Where I, it's not that I didn't have those before, but it wasn't at that level. Right. And so, yes, I've been more aware that I have to self-censor. It's yeah. just been something that's been growing. And that just means I'm growing up. Yeah. I'm a late bloomer at 36. <laughs> I realize I can't just spout off about everything I want. Yeah. And it's, when we started this, I'm like, I've always kind of wanted to be on a radio show or a podcast or something like that, where you can just say what you want to say. And when you're done, cut it, send it, go. Like, yeah. that's what I wanted to do. And I'm a verbal processor. So we wanted to do this. Yeah. Um, and this is exactly the format I wanted to get to. And now that I have it, I'm like, <laughs> I'm scared of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. A little bit. Totally. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. I get that. I get that. Yeah. And so I was like, maybe if we just do more interviews with people and let them talk and we can interview them, that'd be great. Or yeah. like, maybe we just do topics that we really research and we know where we're going with it. But then I'm like, that's not how I process either. Right. Like that would change. It would change the dynamic of the yeah. show. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things that I was wrestling with, and I'm like, I have to talk this out because <laughs> I don't know where Nate's at, and I've just gone around the loop yeah. and got back to square one, and I'm like, I'm not sure I want to kill it. I don't want to break up and just <laughs> be like, this is all over. Okay, yeah, that was fun. Although we'd still probably just hang out on Sunday nights and still do this just without recording it, <laughs> essentially. So anyway, yeah, that was that was my thing with, with self-censoring. And I... And one of the things that struck me was your dad was saying how uh, with the whole virus thing that there are people that are red, you know, stop, don't, don't yeah. open up anything. Anything that we open up is a major risk. Like you've got to be so super careful because this thing is deadly and we, we have to treat it that way. And then you got the people that are yellow that are like, okay, we've been going to Walmart. We've been going to Aldi, right. we've, you know. We've opened, we've, our businesses have been open for a while, like factories are open and, and things. Let's, churches can be open, but we're going to take it slow right. and, and careful. And then you got the green that's like me, you know, grabbing my free hugs t-shirt and just being like, do you want a hug? I want a hug. I haven't hugged anybody <laughs> for a long time. I need a hug. Yeah. That, that's, that's where I'm at, you yeah. know? And it's like, but even saying that, like your, the, what your dad said is like with the green, yellow, red, he's like, people do not need to know where I'm at as mm. lead pastor. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, 
that's a good thought. Yeah. And he's like, because I have to pastor all of these people. Yeah. And I need to care for all of them and love all of them well. Right. And that means not saying where I'm at right. on this. And I'm like, huh, that's wisdom. Yeah. He's wise. Yeah. No, no <laughs> I doubt. I should be wise too. No doubt. <laughs> and that's, that was one of the things yeah. that we talked about last week because I'm like, what is the wisdom in the way that we do yeah. what we do on here? <laughs> yeah. No, and it is and it is true. And again, I don't think that the majority of the topics that we've covered are really all that weighty. No. I mean, we really don't typically pick... I mean, a, some of them are my favorite ones that... Yeah. I don't know. I we, think they carry a certain amount of weight, but totally. we do it with levity. Totally. And, and I think that's the thing is... The fact that we're having com this conversation is a good thing. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if we were still, you know, three years into this and we're in a, we don't care what anybody says, thinks or whatever, and had the fact that we haven't had a whole bunch of backlash to this, um, I think has been, has proved itself out in terms of some People of the, are some just of the concerns. To, to take us on. No, I don't think so. <laughs> People, but I think most people are nervous to come on the show for the very thing that you're talking about. What that I, we're just thinking yeah, out loud? Like, like no, no, no. Well, yeah, but I think they're afraid that we're going to catch them in like a gotcha moment, and we're just going to expose that. Like that's not the point of what we're doing here. Like no, like it is not that kind of exposure. Like if you are ever invited to say be on the show and you say something that you really regret, we will give you time to say, hey, I'd rather not leave that in there, and we will edit it. We're not we're not journalists. Yeah, if we you can, can take that out. If you can call them that anymore. We're not. Uh, we, we're here to just talk things out and be friends on the air. And that's even with people who, I mean, for crying out loud, we, I never would have met Nelson probably if we hadn't had him on here. Right. And, you know, for good or for ill, or, or I know, I I know would, who he is now. So I hadn't heard Jared's whole story either. And yeah. that was a lot of fun. Too. So we've, we've had those moments with other. And honestly, you guys have kind of witnessed me and Sheldon really getting to know each other over the course of this podcast. <laughs> That's what it's been. But it's so funny. I look back at that. I'm like, we really had no context relationally for what we were about to do yeah. when we took this on initially. None at all. And so you've just kind of listened to us get to know each other. And I think that's still happening to some degree, again, just by the nature of the fact that this is the conversation we're having right now, because this is not a conversation that would have even occurred to me to have. The, the one thing that I did tell Nate that I'd like to do is start when we bring people on for interviews, and there's a couple that we need to do eventually here, yeah. um, but just talking about uh, stories in the middle. And I think for most people, they like the stories when it's like, okay, this is this person's life made into a movie mm -hmm. and they end up somewhere spectacular and you know by the end they're going to do something awesome. And I like so much more the stories from right in the middle. And, yeah. And just kind of like Jared's, yeah, you know, what the Lord delivered him from, but also where he's going. But he told a story like right here. Right. He's going to go on to do a whole bunch of other things. Right. You know? and, and I think... I think getting that story from people right in the middle where they're at, you don't have to have accomplished, be a number one bestseller, be, right. you know, whatever it is, but just about where you're at. And, and Jess's story where she was coming out of a period of frustration yeah. or misunderstanding and all of that and overcoming it. When, when she's talking about that stuff, I'm like, she hasn't, if you look at it, you'd be like, what did she ever do? That was so great. But it's about what she is going Right. To do. Right. And what she's going into, the season of life that she's going into, and telling the story right in the middle anyway. Yeah. I, I like that idea. Yeah. So yeah. That's and and what I do, I'd like to well, do. Well, and that may end up becoming a subheading for anything that we do with someone else on the show is just, right. it'll be things we say, stories from the middle. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think it's interesting, too, because most of us have this idea, like what you were saying, this kind of Hollywood view of, oh, okay, and here we are at the completion of whatever it is. And, you and don't then realize. they get married. And yeah, and that's, and that's the thing. The majority of Hollywood movies, especially the romantic variety, they end at the beginning. Right. Maybe the middle sometimes, but they usually end at the beginning. And then they pick up again in a different movie where, yeah, they've been married for 15 years and now everybody's miserable. And so that's what the movie is going to be about, this miserable couple who is either going to figure it out or bust up, you know. And <laughs> and it's just funny to me, like, they they... They pick the two ends of the spectrum, but you don't get the details in between. But that's that's kind of what a wedding... A wedding is weird in some ways. I was thinking about this. Wedding is weird in some ways in that you're celebrating the beginning. 
Yeah. You don't celebrate the end. It's not like graduation. Graduation, you get all the accolades and everything at the end when you've completed. It's like, hey, you ran yeah. your race. Or like the Olympics, you get all your accolades when you've done something. Marriage, it's like, let's throw a big party. Hey, it's just, you're you're about to begin. You, Good you, job. It's you, like the shotgun at the beginning of the race <laughs> is like the big fireworks. Yeah. And then everybody leaves while you run the race. Yeah. And it's just like it's funny because when you when you say that, it reminded me of Dwight's line from the office where he said, Shrews get married standing in their own graves. It's like it makes the funerals very romantic, but the weddings are a bleak affair. <laughs> It's like, maybe that's the way it should be. <laughs> you are going to die eventually. You're going to stay with this person until then. Okay. There you go. Shirts get married in there. Standing in there. And there's actually a picture of it at one, at one point. They show so like his grandparents' wedding photo, and they're literally standing down in an open grave in a wedding dress and a tux. It's ridiculous. Anyway... Yeah, I, it's something that's always baffled me about weddings. It's the one thing that we, like, throw the party at the beginning. Yeah, no, totally. And again, the, you celebrate the milestone still. It's like, oh, we made it a year. We made it two years. We made it five years. We made, you know, you do those. And maybe, they, maybe you everybody should get just get out. married at the Justice of the Peace, and in 20 years, we'll throw you a nice reception. Oh, but see, that gets, <laughs> that gets all into my issue already with marriage and government involvement <laughs> in marriage and uh, that... <laughs> it's another weird opinion that I have that most people would disagree with. Yeah, you haven't done anything except con her into saying yes. Now let's yeah. see you yes. actually uh, get her heart yes. over a period of 20 years. Yes, maintain. 40 years, 50, 50 years. years. How, yeah, yes. it should be much longer than 20. Yes, I'm just saying. unless you just got married really, really late. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. If you got married at 60, 20 is a good goal. Yes, that's right. That's right. A very good goal. <laughs> An impressive one even. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I mean I don't I don't think unless I've misread Sheldon, this is not like a hey, we're about to go off the air and not do this anymore. No, we'll, this we'll is, be back. This yeah, is this is still us just working it out. Yeah. We want to talk it out. And really out. Uh, you know, maybe the show will change. Maybe we will take on a different format with this. I don't know what that format would be at this point. Uh but we're not there yet. This is from the middle of our discussion. So there you go. This is a story from the middle. Yeah, we wanted to we wanted to let you in on where we're at and that if we say something that makes you cross, we don't mean it. Yeah. I don't mean it. I, d- I it. do though. <laughs> so if you do if you do get cross with something I say, we can have a discussion about it personally and work it out. Yeah. If you get cross about something Nate says, you have to talk to him because yeah. he has an explanation. I do. If you get mad about something I say, I don't have an explanation. I'll probably just apologize. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and that's the thing you too. You were part like, of a. <laughs> oh, Jess blames me for this. She used to be an internal processor yes. like you. She got married to me. Now she processes out loud. And so as she's doing this, she's like, "I hate this. I used to be able to process in silence. <laughs> now, now I need, I need your, I need you to, to talk with about me yeah. with this." <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is like, you know, I've become a much more. I've always been an external processor in ministry. Like, I talk things out with people. I don't just really sit on things. Um, and I've had to do that in marriage as well. I mean, obviously, I have to talk to Kayla. Like, that is how this works. I don't get to make decisions for us by myself and then come to the table and say, yeah, here's everything. I worked it all out. Don't worry about it. Let's go. I don't get to do that. I know Part some of, men that try that. That's yeah, really yeah. not a great move. No, it's not a great move. Stop it. <laughs> That's being a bad human. That's being a bad human and a worse husband. Don't do that. Um, you are not Moses. You do not come down from on high with no. the tablets and yeah. deliver them to the people. And even Moses had problems. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, I have to do that. And that's, and that's one of the things that getting married, I chose was choosing to give up. I was giving up a degree of autonomy. Yes. But also a degree of, my own space. Like I was saying, yes, I'm going to allow you into space that is actually my own and that I don't have to give anybody, but I'm choosing to give it to you. And I have to honor that commitment. And I enjoy talking to my wife. We talk about everything all the time. Um, And I do like that. I talk to her like I talk to nobody else. And that's the way it should be. Yeah. Um, But I still process the way I process. And we've had a few conversations where I've told her, I have no response to that right now. You're going to have to give me a little while and I'll come back to you when I've got something to say because I don't have anything to say at the moment. Um, 
And that's just the way it is. I mean, I still got to do that, but that's for, that's for me to come with an answer, not for me to come with a solution. Yeah. So this is just us hitting the reset button, making sure you guys have your disclaimers locked and loaded. So yes. when we do say something stupid, you know who to get mad at. And that's how. right. That's right. That's right. Everything, but everything it, genuinely horrible on here that you're offended by is probably going to come from me because I mean what I say. No, now but you know it's, it. it is. Uh, it was another thing that just keeps coming to my mind because it'll come up from time to time. I'm more libertarian in my way I think about politics. Now, you might not know that from the way I vote, but the way I vote is a private voting booth, so right. you won't know that. Right. But what I'm saying is uh, the topic of marijuana comes up from time to time in my house, and yeah. whenever it comes up around my dad, he's like, you cannot possibly believe that this <laughs> needs to be legalized, and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I will never touch the stuff, haven't touched the stuff, but I really have no problem with it politically at all. Like, yeah. The way I believe about the free markets and the way I believe about the Constitution and everything else, I'm just like, yeah, I really don't see that it needs to be like a tier four drug. This makes no sense. Right. You know, you put it up there with like heroin and everything else. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And and <laughs> this goes round and round and oh, round. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, okay, I know if I say that, it's going to offend him. Yeah. And I know if I say that on here, it's going to offend somebody else. And it's like. Should I care? How much should I care? Right. Should I think about that? Should I not think about that? Right. And then I'm like, well, this is a podcast. If you don't like it, you can turn it off. Right. And you don't have to listen. Right. But then there's still the reality that there are some people that still have to see us and <laughs> see us teach classes and see us, you know, yeah. we worship on a Sunday morning. And <laughs> this is the other thing I was thinking about. Yeah. And it's that when my wife <laughs> finally started dating me, she said she said she had the thought was like oh, this guy can be serious. <laughs> and it's like when we first had our real conversation like about Jesus or about something foundational, she's like, oh, that was a really good thought. Like he can actually be serious. Yeah. Because the way she knew me was just saying whatever came to the top of my head and being a total <laughs> goofball the entire time. So I know it's hard to take any sort of advice or truth from a person like that. So don't, I mean, it, that's, that's the other thing. It's like, I would, at some point I want people to value what I say and yeah. then I jump on here and just completely devalue it by processing. <laughs> but I don't think, I don't think that's a devaluation. I think it's just a fact that that has to be expressed. Like the fact that this is a process, especially for you, I think that gets a lot of grace from people. If you're saying to somebody, I'm working this out as I'm speaking it. Yeah. I like, think it does. And I, like again, for me, I'm being real. But then part of that is scary because I'm like, if I'm being real and I start out someplace that I didn't enjoy and I end up at a place that I like better, yeah. how many people are going to remember where I started yeah, right. and not remember where I ended up? Right. Like, yeah. that's not a great feeling. Yeah. And, and I mean, I may be putting a target on my back by reiterating the fact that I have thought about almost everything we have ever talked about on here thoroughly. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I'm not one to typically waste my words. I mean, I, if I have something to say, I'll say it or I'll keep my mouth shut because I know it's not going to actually be helpful. And so, you know, that is that is where I have matured is knowing that certain things won't be so helpful. Do you so self -censor, no would you say you self-censor all the time? All the time. So what goes on in your brain is never what you is never totally what you let out? Unless I'm in an environment where I can. And I and I have what learned are those environments. My, that environment's home. I I would say pretty much anything to you. Um, I have a few close friends that I would say I would say pretty much, it. and even some friends who I think would get offended by me saying that. But they also know that we have an. I know that we have enough of a relationship that that's not going to be a held offense. Right. That we can speak to each other and even have some uh, something of a tough conversation, but it's going to be okay because it's not actually foundational to our relationship. Yeah. Now I'm not talking about like intentionally being hurtful or intentionally like trying to, I've literally only intentionally tried to hurt somebody with my words once in my life. And it was the worst experience I've ever had instantly was the worst thing I've ever experienced. And I've never done it since I did a lot of damage, not realizing I was doing damage. There was literally Just only one time where I did it on yeah. purpose. And I, I literally tried to, you know, literally cut somebody with my words and it was horrible and I hated it, I hated the way I felt. And the person cried a lot instantly, and I felt like a tool, and I never <laughs> wanted to do that again. And that actually kind of was formative in me starting to realize maybe I need to like 
take it down a notch. Not everything needs to be said. And so I think that's for me, that's where I censor is, does this actually need to be said? Is this actually beneficial for yeah. me to say this? Um, and so that's where I do. I self-censor all the time and I have for a long time. Um, and I do, I, 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 I try to pick my battles. There are some things, there are hills that I will die on and that I will go toe to toe with somebody about. Um, but there are not a lot of them. I care, the older I get, the more I care about fewer things. Yeah. I, my, my spaces that I self-censor are starting to get larger. That's, yeah. that's part of it is like, at, I'm careful what, what I would say and who I would say it to at church or at work, those two things, because one is how I provide for my family. The other one just means an incredible, a lot totally. to me. Like church means a lot to me. The company, I like, I need to do well there, both for me and for my family. So, yeah. so like, but at home, anything goes. Like, I'm going to say what I say, what I think, and we're all going to work this out together. Right. And that's who we are. And my family, like my Stauffer family. Right. Because we grew up, like, <laughs> I remember my brother had friends over, and one of his friends was like, you guys could just record your family dinner table. <laughs> and if everybody got a look at it, they would love it. Like this would be really great TV. Somewhere between the Waltons and Roseanne. I, I don't <laughs> know. I don't know what to compare it to. Like we can get through a supper and it's completely fine. And this, like when we were teenagers, my dad and my mom and all of us five teenage kids sitting there and just going at it. Yeah. And it's like, it could be the news topic of the day. It could be something going on in the family. It could be anything. Yeah. Just all the opinions right out there. Right. And been finding out later that I came through those conversations just fine. Yeah. <laughs> Not all of my siblings took yep. all of this totally. the same way. And yeah, I'm like, totally. were these the same conversations? <laughs> and was I like, there? That was a really hurtful thing that they said. And I'm like, yeah, yeah but we said it at high volumes. And I'm pretty sure nobody cared what we were saying at that <laughs> point. And they're like, I cared. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This explains. <laughs> but no, it I'm I'm totally comfortable in, in those situations. But then I get on here and I'm like, I'm super comfortable working all of this out. And then I'm like, Yeah, after three years of this, who do people really think I am? <laughs> well, and I think Do I they think, think I'm gonna get into a rant like any good half hour conversation with me is gonna include a high pitched rant about yeah. something terrible? Yeah. Or something I think is terrible. Yes, or it's something you think is great. Your your or high voice yeah. comes in at the at random intervals that don't necessarily always make sense to me, but it's fine. No, but that's the thing, and, and I think this is part of the difference. And you know, you obviously grew up in a ministry household, but it was a kind it was a it was an itinerant more of an itinerant ministry household. Yeah, and so you had times and opportunities where you were just Sheldon, whether it was at school or whether it was yeah. different things like that. My entire life. I was born the pastor's kid. Yeah. Always. That has always come first for almost everybody I've ever met. Now, I'm very thankful because my parents, and especially my mother, always fought that the stigma of that. I mean, I, if she said it to me once, she said it a billion times. You're just a normal kid like everybody else. You're going to screw up. You're going to mess up. You're going to have to do stupid things. You're going to be a teenager. You're going to, this is just what you're going to do, and it's okay. Like, we'll work it out. You know, I don't want you to be disrespectful. I don't want you to, do, you know, there were... There yeah. were lines and there were things and there was instruction, but it was always, you're just a normal kid like everybody else and it's okay. We'll figure it out. Um, and so she fought for that. You know, both my parents did, but my mom really fought for that. And so I didn't incur a lot of the damage that a lot of pastor's kids have from having their father or mother's identity in ministry define them. But it's always defined me. Uh, from the, I've never had a moment where I was not the pastor's kid. Wow. That's always been the case. And it's always that first. And so I think that has gone a long way to inform what I do and don't do and what I choose to say and choose not to say um, at various times. Um, and it's become second nature to me. Uh, it's, it's not something that I think about. I don't worry about offending people. Um, I don't get offended. I mean, I do not get offended. I don't remember ever getting offended by anything. Yeah. I've, I've gotten mad at times. I've gotten upset, but never like this, 
carrying how offense. dare you? Yeah, yeah. I've, it's just never, I've never had the words, how dare you, come out of my mouth, actually. <laughs> never, ever. <laughs> never, just, ever, ever. It's a very Karen thing and to so, say. And so for me, I have to understand the fact that just because I don't get offended doesn't mean other people don't. Yeah. And so I have to think about, again, is this worth it? Is this worth the possibility that I may offend somebody? And I'm, I'm a firm believer in, yes, there are lots of people out there that are just going to, they're looking for a reason to be offended. Yep. And they will find anything and everything they can to feed that monster in them. And that's all well and good. I don't think that we are always going to be account, held accountable for those people. But that, that doesn't but, bother you? No, that doesn't bother when me. When they get offended? If, when somebody, somebody... if somebody is seeking offense, I, I, not only does it not bother me, I don't care. I don't like I when care people in the don't sense like of, me. I, like that, it, that bothers me a It never bit. occurred to me whether or not somebody likes me. It doesn't, it doesn't go through. Like, I know my family likes me. I know my kids mostly like me. I'm good. Like, yeah. I, 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 I want to be the type of person that is liked. I don't care if I'm liked, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm a firm believer in the fact that, you know, the people who are, who are prone to offense and are always getting offended, I want to look at them and say, listen, if you are always offended, the only common denominator of this is you. You need to do a self-assessment and find out why you're always offended. Because the whole world can't be against you. That's you. That's on you if you're always offended by everything. However, if people are constantly getting offended by you, they're not carrying offense. They're not ju just easily offended. You are the common denominator. You might be offensive. And that was my, my kind of awakening when I was young. I was like, I am hurting people. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize it because I didn't think what I said had any weight. I just said what I thought, and I thought that was okay. It did carry weight, and it did hurt people, and I had to make a lot of apologies and make a lot of things right um, and make changes and not do that anymore. Yeah. Because I did. I had to look in the mirror and be like, okay, if people are genuinely getting hurt, and it's happening here, and it's happening here, and it's happening here, and I'm the one thing that's touching all of these things, then it's me. Yep. I need to look in the mirror and figure this out. So if you're easily offended, it's you. Figure it out. Find out why. And mature beyond that. You don't have to do that. If you are the one who is constantly offending, look in the mirror, figure it out, and mature beyond that because yeah. that's on you to do. And, um, and so for me, there, there's just been this reality of I've, I've constantly been in that state. That's always been the state I've been in. I'm aware that people see me as something rather than myself at first. And I remember hearing, oddly enough, I remember hearing John Mayer talk one time about meeting new people and how it takes him at least an hour to get people to the place where they understand that they don't know anything about him instead of thinking they know something about him because he's gotcha. a public figure. He's like, so it takes me hours just to get a person to that point to then where maybe we can have some kind of actual legitimate interaction. Wow. And so to me, that's always somewhat, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not a celebrity, <laughs> but there is that level of, People have an assumption or an expectation or a thought about who you are just because you're the pastor's kid. Yeah. And so that's been my reality. Yeah, I've never known anything different. That's definitely something I'd be coming into much later in life. Yeah. Where I've been able to be myself wherever I am doing whatever I do. Like right. that's just who I've been. And now over the last couple of years, a lot of that's getting added in. Yeah. And, and it's just coming to that same realization. Yeah. That, that you're talking about. Um, I, I think it's Francis Frangipan that did the book Unoffendable. I think that's true. Yeah. And I, that, one, that one, when I first read it and some of the concepts in it, really spoke to me. And I'm like, that's what I want to be. I want to be that guy that's unoffendable and I don't carry offense. And for the most part, I feel like I've been pretty successful at that. That's something that I want to be is unoffendable. Like, yeah. And, and it's crazy working with teenagers. They, when, when you're talking to them and you can tell they've got something that they want to share with you, yeah. but they kind of feel like it's like, this is too big of a deal. This person's going to freak out on me yep. for saying this because maybe they've said it to a parent or a teacher or somebody else before and they've gotten a bad reaction and you feel like they want to broach it, but they won't. And I'll, I'll just often say, you can tell me anything. Yeah. Like, 
I've heard almost everything there is to hear from teens before. Like right. what you're going to say might, might be monumental to you, but I can tell you, it's not going to shock me. Yeah. You can go ahead and say it. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be mad at you. Right. And, and just walking them through it because really what seems like a big deal to them is not going to be that big that we can't work through it and right. get to the other side. Right. I so. always tell people things get a lot smaller when they hit the air. So yep. just go ahead. Or come to the light. Yeah. When you drag it out of the darkness and you drag it into the light, it's not that big monster that you yep. thought it was. But it will eat you in the dark. Yes, it like, will. It's just, it's scary. But being being unoffendable allows for those types of things to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think as parents, if you make a lot of vows, my kid will never da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> and then your kid does. Right. Then you're dealing with a whole bunch of insecurities, fears, anger, words that you said they were not going to do it when they say they did it. That's what you respond with. Yeah. And you picked up a fence and it's pretty easy to see. If you would be gracious about that conversation and not have those preconceived notions and just be with them in that moment and not be offended, you're going to be able to get to a place. Right. That's, and that's, that's a little different. And that's one of the tricks I think for, for me also comes with learning. Like yeah, when somebody totally. wants to tell you something like, uh, like an undiscussable subject, like what, what you said there, I don't think was a great reflection of the Lord or a great reflection of the church, or I think that reflected badly on your dad. Nobody, nobody wants to come to you and say that. Right. And, and if they do, and you immediately get defensive or you get offended by it, you lose your opportunity to learn. Right. So yeah, being unoffendable is a pretty good thing. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that part of it too is, is offense typically shows what your identity is in. Yeah. What you find a sense of identity in. And I think f- for me, I've very much learned to separate identity from the things that I do. The things that I do come out of who I am, but they're not who I am, yeah. if that makes sense. Like yeah. whether that's as a worship leader or as a pastor or, you know, even as a husband or a father, you know, and things like that. Like those come out of who I am, but they are not in and of themselves. My, ident- my identity is not attached. I've not anchored myself yeah. to any of those things because I know all of those things are fleeting. I could lose my voice permanently tomorrow. Yeah. And so would I just say, well, now I don't know who I am. No, I would still know who I was. That wouldn't change who I was. It would change what I do and how I can express that. But anytime you have identity attached to a particular thing that you can lose, you fight to keep it and you fight to protect it and you fight to guard it. And you ended up be, you end up being like a wounded animal that's striking out of the very things or people that are trying to actually help you. Yeah. And so, that's this is taking again. This is taking a weird turn. I don't know really where I'm getting into this, but that's okay. But I think for me, that idea of of divorcing somewhat identity from what you do is important, and I think it helps keep you from being easily offended. Yeah. I still find things offensive, but I don't I don't get offended by things if that makes sense. Yeah. It'll make you angry for a moment. I get really, the closest thing I get to offensive is when I think somebody's being intellectually dishonest or inconsistent. It frustrates me to no end. Yeah. Now you're just being backwards and obstinate. I can't deal with this. Yes. You're just saying things to say them, (laughs) not because you actually believe them at all. (laughs) I promise not to do that. No, you don't do that. (laughs) You don't do that. Oh, man. Yeah, I think we've belabored this point. This was a nice cleansing little rant, though. I think it was a good thing. <laughs> Regardless, it I think it's the least ranty of my rants. But I, but I don't think so. I think there was there was some stu- substantive, like, yeah, this is good. This yeah. was very good. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I am about to go on vacation. So that sounds good. Yeah, well, it will be good if it doesn't rain the whole time because we're going to Myrtle Beach. And, and if stuff is open, that would be nice. Things are open. Beaches are open. The pool in the condo is open that we're going to be at. The playground at the condo that we're going to be at is going to be open. We're good. Yeah. Restaurants yeah. open? How are you going to They're eat? at least delivering food. Ah, there and we're go. taking That's our good. own as well. We'll, good, good. we'll cook a good bit. I had Chinese food for the first oh, time in about a month and a half or two months. Where'd you go? Orville, Mengheng. Yeah. How did they do it? 
Uh, you had to call in and nobody could get in, just managed to get in over the phone. And yeah. then you stand outside in a line and they hand it through a window. Okay, what what window? Did they build a window? They put a box in their door. They did it too? Yes. Oh, yeah. They cut a hole in their door and yeah. there's a box. Asian Walk did it, but they did it weirder. They built like a phone booth size booth inside of their building, inside their door. Out of plywood and two by fours, and you walk. And there's the some booth. plexiglass. There's one right here on your right and high that has a plate in it or a tray in it that you put your card in, and then they pull it back. And then there's one in the middle where they put the food, and then you open your plexiglass side and pull it out. And I'm like, couldn't somebody have just brought this outside to me, wearing a mask or something or a face shield? Like this seemed like it seemed a little excessive to do that much to. But you know, whatever. I'm I'm they're they're open and. They're, they're serving with people, glorious. whatever, but it was weird. Oh, man, but yeah, it was good food, man. It was glorious. I love me some dirty Asian food every once in a while. It's good <laughs> stuff. Yep. It's good stuff. It makes your heart happy, <laughs> even if it's clogging it. And it makes you passy outy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sleep. I'm going to have a little coma here. I'm going to have a nap. Yes, yes, but it's wonderful, and it usually means leftovers, although I very much overate that night. If anybody wants to go to Chinese, I'm down. All right. Well, we and Sheldon know what we're going to do now. We're going to go eat Chinese food. But anyway, all right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll be back probably still next week. Yeah, uh, Because probably. I'll be back from vacation, and I'm sure I'll have things to say. Okay. And we will say things. <laughs> and maybe we'll pick a real topic this time and roll with it. Maybe we'll do some more conspiracy theories. That'd be fun. I could be down with that. Yeah. But anyway, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys again. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.